Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks, a podcast about writing situation comedy. I'm James Carey, this is Dave Cohen. Hello. And we are being produced, as always, by Katie Story. Hello. And we're back. Uh, we are today looking at the first ten pages yep. of scripts. But before we do that, we should probably do something we haven't done very well, and that's look at our emails. We have been sent some. Yep. If we you have, have an email it. for us, you can email us at sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. Com. Yep. So you can do that. And Dave, what have we got in our well, mail? Well, I'll start with uh, this is from uh, Hannah Kofshen, I think. And uh, she has said, uh, she says how in our discussions we occasionally ref- reference sitcoms from decades ago, uh, which is not surprising, partly given my age. You may have grown up with some of them. Yes, <laughs> I certainly did. James is a lot younger than me, by the way. Not much. Uh, mm, enough. <laughs> uh, I imagine others you looked up as part of your own research. Uh, for younger sitcom writers, uh, which is, in my case, is everybody, um, which sitcoms past are worth actively seeking out? Okay, well, that's that? a good question. I have recently published my on my blog my ten favourite sitcoms, mm-hmm. and of that list, a surprising one or two would be the. In fact, I've recently done the ten American ones, yeah. and an American one that's worth seeking out well, is um, uh, the Phil Silvers show, also known as Bilko, mm. which uh, they made 142 episodes in four years. I was amazed when I read that. I knew that they'd done 142, but I hadn't realised it was that. Four punishing. years, yeah. Thirty in a row. And wow. Then take, have some time off and do another thirty. Yeah. It's just, it's astonishing. Mm. Phil Silver Show. That's a really it's, it's just a really neat, simple show based around a really clear central performance. So I thoroughly recommend the Phil Silver Show. I I know I go on about um, Frasier, and I, I think what what I would do is definitely. Go to one of these uh, sites, I think Scriptorama, uh, and and look up the scripts, read the scripts, because I think that's a great way. I, I think Frasier is not the greatest sitcom in terms of watching it, but I think really that in writing terms, it's a beautifully, beautifully crafted show, and I think you, you learn a lot from that. I think it is technically one of the best, yeah, and it would be in my top ten definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think it because it is just so rigorous. The subject matter may be a little bit elitist for some, although it does do a very nice job of the kind of psychiatrist versus the blue-collar policeman. Mm-hmm. But it is technically amazing, and every time I watch it, I'm always oppressed, impressed afresh each yeah. time. Oppressed me, as well. This is good. I, I am oppressed yes, by, by its brilliance. Freudian yes. slip. Freudian <laughs> slip, I yes. think that probably is. Yes. Okay, well, thanks for that, uh, and good luck with your sitcom writing. And this is from Mark uh, Lelivre. I'm not sure if I pronounced that very well. Uh, he says, uh, is it possible uh, to discuss how you would theoretically fix existing sitcoms to be more effective? Um, we probably should do a separate podcast on that, which is yeah. we fix, are, we fixing are the, existing sitcoms. Yeah, we are the Beavis and Butthead of this uh, show. We sit on the sofa and we, we carp at the uh, other sitcoms. But I think, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. That, I mean, the number of steps from the point at which you think I'm going to write a sitcom to the point at which it goes out, uh, the number of ways in which things can go wrong, I think. Absolutely. Like, and even if they go right, the number of times you have to redraft, 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 you're probably going to write it rewrite it three or four times before you can even show it to anyone and then and then the work starts yeah and then it's filmed and then it's out of your hands anyway and then that's when it really starts to go completely wrong or different or 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 right even and i think a lot of these 
problems usually stem from the first 10 pages. Normally, mm-hmm. it's not set up right. Yeah. It's quite... Normally, within a, watching a script, reading a script of a show that someone submitted, it's a new script, new writer. Actually, a lot of the problems are that they're in the setup, and you can probably fix them or hide them if you're clever, but actually you often have deeper-rooted problems that you need to address. So I wonder if we should stagger straight on should we go straight to, to, our, that, uh, to the main business. We have some more emails, and we'll read them out in uh, future episodes, but thanks. Keep sending them, sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. So, yes, I mean, what how, how this uh, idea came about was that um, recently I was uh, asked to read a whole load of uh, scripts, but not actually the scripts, just, just the first ten pages of the scripts, and then I, I was to meet and chat with the writers. Uh, and now, obviously, you cannot tell everything from the first ten pages of a script, but uh, it, it was interesting what I did find. It's a good rule, of, just before you carry on, it is a good rule of thumb the first ten pages, because I, I don't read scripts for people, by and large, unless I know them personally and offer to read them. Please don't send us your scripts. We're not going to read them. Um because we, A, don't have time, and B, you might think that we've stolen your ideas. So it's just easier if we don't go down that road. But well, actually, Thanks for asking. Thank you well. for asking, though. But we have had a few emails yeah. saying, could you read my script? And the answer is, please, please don't ask us to read your script, mm. um, because embarrassment often offends. So on the occasions where I, I did offer to read a script for someone I didn't know particularly well, I said, I will promise to read the first 10 pages and if I get beyond 10 pages and I want to read more, then I'll let you know. But that's all I'm going to promise to read is the first mm-hmm. 10 pages. And I stopped at page 17 and and emailed them and said, hey, you know, his, I got to page 17. That's pretty good. So let me just tell you what I think is the problem with the first 10 pages. Because the first, you know, if the first 10 pages are wrong, it, it, there's no point really fixing the later stuff. The first 10 pages is everything. So I'm really interested to talk about this, Dave. So yeah. what have you been picking up as well, the, you've been the, reading? The, the, first, the first big uh, problem, and this happened a few times, was um, that the main character, the lead character, didn't appear and they, they barely featured. There were a couple of instances where uh, I'd, I'd read a, a scene and I'd talk about it and that'd be like the first first page of the next scene. So I wouldn't know much about it. So the whole of the first 10 minutes and I'd talk about what I assumed was the main character uh, because this was the the scene started with that person and they, they drove that scene and I'd said this, that and the other. There's a few problems with that. And they'd say things like, well, actually... Um, that's not the main. That wasn't the main character. That's not the main character. The main character is X, and X is, is has got like two lines in the scene, and so I just think, well, I, 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 I'm reading a different sitcom already, um, and this sitcom is about X, but X has barely appeared. So yes, you've 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 set up a cracking sitcom about a waiter yeah. who is clearly unhappy with their job, but unfortunately, the, the waiter yeah. leaves on page eight, and we never see them again. So this this is a very important question you have to ask ask yourself quite early on, really. And in in fact, I'm just having this situation now is that I've been working on an idea for a a sitcom um, for a couple of months, which I'm just kind of working up. And in fact, um, I just started to ask myself of the sort of six or seven characters who I have populating this, um, actually, is the person whose name is in the title and so far and who I've assumed is the main character 
is this the main character? Is he strong enough to be? A, is he a big enough, uh, larger than life character like we've discussed before? Is he monster enough, or you know, is is there enough conflict with the other characters? And I, and I actually, I'm now rethinking this sitcom, and I think that's something you do have to be very aware of. Who is your main character? Why is that person your main character? And not only that, but we want to be seeing that main character uh, in the beginning of the episode. I mean, so, for instance, you wrote uh, on a show called Miranda, starring Miranda Hart. That's right. about Miranda. Very good. Um, we kind of know who's going to be in the opening ten pages. I mean, what, what's, um, how did you approach each episode? Well, that's, I mean, Miranda is an extreme example, and in a good way. Miranda sensed straight away that... She was what where the show was. Every single scene is from her point of view. She is at the start. She is when she leaves the scene. The scene is over. That she she knew exactly where the show was, and it for me was a real genius masterstroke because I don't think many other people would have quite had the courage to say no, no, it really is about me. Rather than just have a scene, Stevie is very funny. Her mother is very funny. There are lots of funny characters on that show to say, no, no, they're not going to do any scenes without me, it's all going to be with me. So it, it obviously sounds quite arrogant to do that, but it was just the right comedy decision. For my other my other show, which I did, Bluestone 4-2, straight, we slightly broke this rule because slap bang in the middle, we had Mike McShane uh, as an American CIA attaché, but they're talking about the main character, Nick. You've got Nick and Milsey talking about disposing of bombs. They're in a helicopter... They're on the way to dispose of a bomb. This is it. And each of the characters then has a line which pretty much says what sort of person they are. Mac's first line is talking about taking a dump in a Tesco Metro. That sort of tells you all yeah. you need to know about that character. And it's that to so that first scene, you, you do need to show the audience who the main character is. Because one of the things I don't do when I read scripts is I don't read the page outline that sometimes comes with it to tell you what the setup of the show mm. is. And again, on the occasions I do read a script, I say, I'm, I'm not going to read that outline of yours, of what the show is. I'm just going to read the script because yeah. if it's not in the script, it's not in the show. Mm. So I would assume that people don't reading it don't know who the main character is. Yeah. So write the script accordingly because the, the audience at home, they weren't mailed a copy of your yeah. <laughs> outline in advance. It does definitely that may yet help. happen in the future. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Netflix will start uh, issuing uh, yeah. program notes. When I, when uh, your your first when when we first see the character on the first page, uh, it, it, what what you can do rather than worry about uh, well how are they going to uh, what are they going to see about this character? Well, um, you want to maybe have sort of two or three words enough to describe this person. You know. Uh, Fred brackets uh, young arrogant yeah thinks he's it yeah that kind of tells you all you want to know about that character yeah. um, you, you you can get away with having that there and once you've said that we know we, we we start to impose that on the on the sentences the dialogue that he's having with the other characters so um, you are allowed to do that with your character, especially when it's a new show and you're introducing all these new characters to us. Yeah, you could you you can get away with that. I've I've done that on scripts, mm. partly because to save time. But in general, you shouldn't really quite need to do that. You should only really be able to 
should he really do physical description? Yeah. The lines should tell you everything. What they're wearing, what they're... How they enter. Right. What they're carrying, mm-hmm. what they're not saying, what they're not doing, what yeah. they're not reacting to as well as what they are reacting to. I wanted to just... Uh, Mentioned that um, that opening of uh, Blue Stone Fort, and I was I was thinking about that in relation to this uh, sort of first ten minutes, and how, as you say, it, it kind of breaks the rules of what we're talking about. And of course, in comedy, rules are there to be broken. Um, but the uh, I was actually wondering if you could have technically got away with putting it in that making that episode three, for instance. Yes, possibly. What we the reason that character was in the show is. The cheat, we, were, we were cheating slightly, although not. We thought the most important thing to establish, other than the main characters, which I think that opening scene does, is that this is an active war zone and you will die if you get it wrong or even if you get it right. So, spoilers, but it is the first episode and it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He takes his helmet off and he's shot in the head yeah. and he dies. Right. And... We wanted to show that this is this this isn't it ain't half hot mum. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a show in which the Taliban are there and they will kill you. So we we he was very much put on this earth to die. He was to show something about the the, the tone of the show, which is this is a dangerous situation. Right, and that that's one point that should make that um, it is only ten pages. You. You can't have everything in your first ten pages. So, but if you can have the main character, that's that's the first thing. But then the next thing, which kind of uh, comes out of that, the thing that you really want in there, if, uh, especially if you've not the main character, not not got that in there, you want the main premise of the sitcom, which you have just there perfectly yeah. uh, described. So this is the thing we talked about. This we we done an, uh, the podcast. You know, what's your sitcom really about? Usually, it's about it is about the flaws in the main character. Um, in the particular case of Bluestone, obviously, it was, as you say, it's about a bunch of people who could get killed at any moment. Yeah. And joke about it. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, but but thinking about show, uh, like a show, for instance, um, again, for, um, for Hannah here, here's another show um, that we mentioned a lot, that I mentioned a lot, um, Dad's Army, of course, which... Uh, apart from anything else really is a show about class and you see that every single virtually every scene every uh conflict um whether it's about the home guard or not it's about class it's about uh mannering and wilson and it's about mannering trying to show he's the boss but wilson actually really being in charge i mean uh, you think of other examples where every every scene you get the premise of a sitcom just yes, I mean, the, the, you sort of don't realise they're doing it uh, yeah. when they do it. And we actually, we, it would be worth going back over the writing pilots episode we did, which I think is episode four or Three, five or yeah. something. Worth going to have a listen to that because it is the hardest thing to do, writing a pilot. And the first ten pages are the hardest ten pages to write of that pilot. It's the hardest episode to write of your whole series it's the, the first series is yeah. the hardest series to write of all the series. You re, it, it's as steep as they get. Mm. But anything that you can do to compress that main premise and to not draw it out, I think, is is absolutely critical. And again, to show in rather than words and spelling it out, but to show in 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 looks, in reactions, in 
clothing. That's the beauty of an army show is you can see who's in charge because you know they salute and call each other sir and you sort of work it out. But it's worth going back to look at what the show is really about. Uh, ever decreasing circles. You've got Mar- Martin Bryce is set up beautifully as he's volunteered to work with the kids' local football team. They've just got absolutely hammered, but he's completely un- undaunted by that. Mm-hmm. He comes in, wipes his feet for ages, turns the phone the other way around, and you know, oh, this show is about this guy. And yeah. he comes in, and Anne, his wife, is there. She's not surprised by his behaviour. And and Paul is there, the rather suave new next-door neighbour, and the, you're off to the races. The show sort of started. Yeah. So... It, the masters really do make it look easy and yeah. it is really hard, but you just have to be brutal about anything you can get rid of. Yeah. And just set it up as fast as you can. I think you mentioned in that pilot's episode how um, you, effectively your first your first series is six pilots and you have to think about that and it, it it's probably helpful to when you're writing your first episode is is just try not to have uh, try not to have too much backstory. We've talked about backstory before, but try. It, but you cannot say it enough. Yeah. Because you read so many scripts that are full of backstory, mm. and it, it's boring. Yeah. And there are obviously there are the exceptions that prove the rule. And Kimmy Schmidt would be one of them. Yeah. yeah. My name is Earl, which we both we talked we're about both before. big fans of. And Kimmy uh, Schmidt, how long's the setup? Is that the whole first episode is yeah, set up? Pretty much, it? wasn't it? Um, yeah, but I think he gets away with it because you need it. It's a, yeah. it's a high concept. But then also yeah. the titles are really clever because then yeah. whatever episode you tune in, the whole setup's in the titles. It's in yeah. that 20-second mm. title sequence. Yeah. So. But also, as I say, you know, we, we say things and, and it's always possible to say, ah, but what about this? Uh, to which we have our cake and eat it and say, well, it's comedy. You know, they broke that rule. Um, and also they had somebody like the script enough um, somebody like the, the performers enough yeah. the, a network like these people enough and said you just go do what you want yeah. to do when you're Tina Fey you can do what you like yeah, yeah. but then yeah. also now I've thought about it for a second I think because the story the, the sitcom is about her dealing with that so yeah. you need the event it's not backstory yeah. it's the meat of the show it's, yeah. Yeah. she's adjusting to New York she's adjusting to this life everyone keeps calling her one of the mole women and she's trying to be someone which, different and, yeah, so which is it, fine if you're yeah. Tina Fey but if you are even you know Say even if if you are James or I or yeah. someone else, if you're not if you're anyone apart from Richard Curtis in this country, I think pretty much yeah, you can't just say well actually the whole of the first episode has to be a setup because I next well I, and to be fair, I think Peter Kay did that. We talked about it last time. We had right. an email about it as well. The setup of car share for me is unhelpful. The first two minutes he's getting lost with a sat-nav. Mm. That does not help the show. It doesn't establish the character. But he's Peter Kay. So people are watching. They've decided to watch it. They're going to watch it to the end. He's very watchable. People like that show. And so it's, if it was me, I would do it differently. But it's not me. Yeah. I'm not Peter Kay. And if I was Peter Kay, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. In fact, this brings us to the next um, point, um, which is the world and I don't mean the world, but I mean the world that you are creating uh, when you're sitting there and thinking, what's my sitcom about? Who's it about? What's it really about? And then you start to think about your characters and you're starting to think about um, the world, the location, obviously Bluestone Fall 2, that is 
defined by the fact that it's uh, set where it is. Afghanistan, a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. Car share, you know, virtually the whole of car share takes place in a car. Um, And... You know, and we're drawn into that world really, and we come back to that, and we know what's going to happen. We we want to do that. I mean, my 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 favourite example is a is a show like Seinfeld, which which on the surface is just a yet another sitcom about four friends. Some of them live together, and they've got some there's a flat across the, the way, and they all they all act out m- most of the episode in Jerry's flat. Mm. Um, but the more you kind of watch that show, you know, the more you're sort of drawn into that flat, and that just becomes such a kind of uh, it's almost like a character in in the show, really. So uh, where you know what is the world? Yeah. Um, so you got that, like I mean, Central Perk really drew people in as well, didn't it? In Friends, you just yeah. wanted to be there, you wanted to go there, and I think that's one thing that maybe we're not quite as good at. Partly because we don't. There's a lot of single camera shows now, yeah. and single camera shows because they can go anywhere and do anything. They don't feel as warm and cosy as that one central set that you get in a studio show. Maybe that's why studio audience shows often do get more loved by the audience in spite of whatever critics uh, might say about um, canned laughter or anything because I think they do have that warmth to them based around the location uh, whereas and th- that's why even sort of a weird example but on Heart 33 a show I wrote about Bletchley Park for Radio 4 I always started pretty much every time the episode I could have started it anyway because it's radio but I always started it in Hut 33 it's the beginning of the day they're sitting down, right, code breaking, let's get on with it. Uh, Josh comes in with, oh, there's a new message, we have to do this today, we're doing that today, we've run out of spuds, we've run out of this, you know, that kind of thing. Because I wanted the audience in their mind to have that little cosy place that they always start, and then there's usually a scene in the pub where they were billeted, and so I was trying to create that. And I think, as a rule, for radio or even for studio, for, for non-audience sitcom for single camera shows you do well to think where is the audience going to sit is there a chair yeah. for them where where are they mm-hmm. and i do think what i like about um, audience sitcom what i like about the discipline of it is it 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 forces you in the same way that you're you're always looking for your character to act in the same misguided way every episode but but um you, you you're forced to use these uh Situations, you know, there's the sort of the two or three key places that you've got that you have to do because you can't afford to have other places, and even like a really expensive, well, you know, something like Frasier, for instance. With, I mean, the the the, the flat Frasier's flat, which is such a uh, vital part of the um, of the show in terms of you know this sort of beautiful, wonderful place that has this horrible chair plonked in the middle of it's it. It's got gaffer tape, yeah. sort, of, sort of, you know, electrical and, tape all over it. And that's, that, that is the sitcom, isn't it? Mm. That's, that's what it's, to, to a large, that's one of the main things that it's mm. about. So, so do you think in, in those first 10 pages, you're not just establishing who, who is it about, but you're, you're kind of making a place. So it's like, I suppose it's like when you start reading a novel, you want, you know, a, a novel in the hands of a great novelist, it plunges you straight into the place that the novel takes place, you know, and from from page one. So we've we've looked at um, who is the show about, showing who the character is, and not focusing on the wrong characters. We've got 
setting up the world and in particular the place and making sure we reinforce that. But I think the thing that's really struck me recently reading a few scripts is the story. We hinted at this in the last uh, podcast about Jeopardy. And it's really interesting that the last two scripts I've read, one of which was written by a relatively experienced writer, my, my note was... What what currently happens on page seventeen needs to happen on page four. Yeah, because there's just that you're introducing me to the characters. Mm-hmm. I know what the world is. I'm really getting that, but at the moment you're just sort of showing me around. Yeah. This is sort of like my first day at work, where I've worked out where the photocopier is. I know how to make tea, and everyone's sort of having their lunch. Mm-hmm. But actually, on my first day at work, what would be quite cool would be if this was the worst possible day to start at work. <laughs> Because there's a fire drill and it's pouring with rain, and the, you know what I mean. And there's, yeah, yeah. there's a whole load of yeah. stuff to happen, and that's what, that's how I'm going to really get to know people. Mm. Is not everyone sitting at their desk yeah. uh, showing me pictures of their kids, and I sort of work out what situation they are in life. But I, if if they're if they're standing outside in the pouring rain because some bozo has been trying to make toast, and that that's going to teach me stuff. But it needs to be much more than that still because this is going to store a story that you need to take you through 25 minutes. And it is the story, how, you know, and people often uh, neglect that. And they say, and people say, oh, sitcom is all about character. But, but the story also is about character and it is about uh, what's going to happen. And, and I think that's a very good point that you made there earlier about when well, you know, I will read your first 10 pages and if I'm hooked, I'll carry on reading. And I think we're all like that, really, aren't we? With books or whatever, we really want to, we, we want to carry on reading. You know, that's hence the phrase page turner. And um, I know it's it's unfair, but unfortunately, when you read a lot of scripts, you do, you kind of almost decide, not even the first 10 pages, almost mm. like the first two pages, you've kind of got a, you've, you've got a sense, haven't you, or, pretty much at that point you really do after a couple of pages you think whether this person can really do it or not yeah and and unless you have a really key event happening in those first three four five pages that's going to get you paging turning the pages to get me past page 10 which is the only Mm. pages i promise to read and you if you don't do that you're basically saying my dialogue is as good as as tarantino's because he can make a virtue out of just dialogue Mm-hmm. And that's his thing. But most of us can't do that. Mm. So you, you you will need a story. Uh, you will need something to pull you through. The characters need to do stuff. That's how we'll find out about them. So just not doing that, you're just making your life incredibly hard. Mm. Uh, and, of course, remaining aware that it's uh, te- television as opposed to radio, a visual medium. Show us things. We want to. We want to see things. We want to know. We we want to see the world as well as get a, a sense of it. So you know, think think visual. So there's all these things that you have to remember when you're writing your first ten pages, having already done all the the work, the preparation up to that point. So you want to know in those first ten pages. We want to see our main character acting in the way that main character will act throughout the show and the episode and the series and the next series um victor meldrew being an obvious example we want to know the story as james has just said there what's what is going to happen we want to know how how is the character going to react we want to know what this sitcom is really about and we want to know where it is we want to be 
comfortable in this world. We want to be drawn into this world. We want to come back to it. We want people to keep coming back to this world that we've created and say, oh, yes, oh, I'm, 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 I'm home now. I'm in safe hands now. I'm in Jerry's flat. I'm in Central Perk. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things, these are all the things that you're looking for in your first 10 pages. Anything more? I think in terms of, um, so be, being absolutely brutal about what every single line is doing in your first 10 pages, you want to do that with your script anyway but you want to spend extra time on the first 10 pages. And I wonder if also, if you have any way of doing it, reading it out loud, reading it with two or three other people reading in parts. And when you hear it read out loud, quite often a lack of action and story becomes extremely obvious because even though you've invested emotionally so much into writing your own show, you've realised that the first scene is seven pages and even you're bored by page five. And you think it's hilarious. Yeah. So just trying to read it out loud, if you can, with a couple of other people, with as many, you know, if you, can, if you know any actors, just get, get a hold of them and read it. We often, uh, when we were doing Bluestone, we just, me, Richard, the exec producer, the producer, maybe the director or uh, the script editor, four, five, six of us would, would actually read the script out loud. Right before we get the cast to do it a few weeks before and you really get a sense of oh wow this is pretty boring actually for especially for a war zone you would think that something would happen wouldn't you and sometimes you're trying to show it's the stuff that's not happening that's interesting but you don't you don't get to do that in the first show so you really want to get stuff to happen and that's one of the things i really have learned through working with both miranda uh, and also Stephen McCrum, our exec producer on Bluestone, he is a real stickler for saying, look, come on, the stuff that's happening on page 10, page 15, you want to really move that up. So mm. crack on, get on with it. Right. And uh, very rarely do you think, no, no, that's the wrong thing. You might initially, because you just can't bear to cut some really nice jokes that you think are really funny, but unless they're driving the show forward, it's it's not going to help. Right. So those are the keys, uh, really key points to looking at the first 10 minutes based on experience of reading lots of them recently. Yeah. And um, I wonder if there's anything to add to that. Kill the backstory. Kill the backstory. No backstory, no please. No backstory. Backstory is death. We yeah. do not want any backstory. Um I think we're done. We are, we've yeah. done about half an hour. Is that about right? Yeah. Cool. Let's let's knock it on the head. Mm-hmm. A few of the general notices to finish. If you want to hang out with myself and uh, Dave Cohen, we are doing a sitcom writing workshop seminar type thing. Workshops probably better on the fifth yeah. and sixth of November. Look on Dave's uh, website for that, which Dave is cohen.org.uk, I think. Yes. There's also a link on my sitcom, sitcom geek, geek blog. Yeah. blog so fact, I think there's even a link on the. Uh, British Comedy Guide website on our Sitcom Geeks uh, page. You can uh, so at that back. day we'll be talking about stuff in much more detail and going through stuff, showing working examples, and, and we'll be getting you to actually do some stuff as well. So yeah. that's quite good. It won't it? just be us talking because even even we get bored with that, <laughs> no matter how much we like the sounds of our own voices. I've written a book called Writing That Sitcom, which you can get via Amazon for the Kindle. Dave has written a book called How to Be Averagely Successful at Comedy which uh, is really helpful and realistic and um, painful at times. 
um, in terms of the pain that it is to write comedy. And we've been talking about in this episode the importance of cutting jokes that you really like because they are not helping. Mm. Comedy is pain, <laughs> folks. It is, it is, it is. As the late great uh, David Nobbs, in fact, has always said, comedy is cruelty. In yeah, fact. And, it's uh, both cruel to the characters and cruel to the writer. Yeah. If you like the podcast, please rate it and uh, on iTunes and leave a comment. That would be a really kind thing to do. That would be a great way of showing your appreciation if this is something that you want to do. Katie, our producer, we are very grateful to. Katie produces her own podcast. Tell us about that. Uh, it's called The Royal Review. We just had a summer break, so we're um, back in a few weeks with a new one. Uh, you, so you didn't do one. The mo- oh, oh. You, should, you should have a live simulcast whilst the From Queen Edinburgh. became the was longest it? serving monarch. Oh, that's yeah. quite interesting. Was there a sort of clock? Was there a sort of moment? It was 5.30. Oh, they really did yeah, count it down yeah. on Twitter okay. I saw someone say only two hours left sort of, yeah. almost like waiting for her to not die yeah, yeah. yeah. I did a, a tweet I was really proud of because the celebrations are very low key because apparently she didn't want to rub it in Charles's face <laughs> she was like still she didn't want to like yeah. draw attention to herself hmm. so I wrote this tweet which just said is the Queen Andy McDowell because she's still reigning and she hasn't noticed oh. and then I had to put in brackets this is a tweet about the low key celebrations of the <laughs> This reminds me of the, exactly that's, that's a great joke. That's Thank a you. proud. You should be proud of that niche. tweet. Yes. Niche. <laughs> this is the, the very first uh, song that Pete Sinclair and I wrote for Spitting Image. It was in 1988, I think, and it was um, Alistair Burnett, who was a newsreader at the time, who was the, the Nicholas Witchell of his day, and he was a very, very sycophantic royal reporter. And so we had Alistair Burnett singing a love song to the Queen Mother, and. Uh, the nature of uh, writing songs for a show like Spitting Image, they have to be uh, written and recorded months in advance. So there was this sort of period, three or four months, when the uh, <laughs> Pete and I, these uh, staunch Republicans, were hoping and praying that the dear old 88-year-old Queen Mother would stay alive, <laughs> please stay alive, because just in, so at least until our song goes out. So we can get so, paid. Exactly. <laughs> and so our song could go out. It was our first song. We were really proud of it. Yeah, so, yeah, but uh, it's pretty good to get paid too. So, though, yeah, it? it is too, yes. That helps. <laughs> does help a little bit, yes. Great. Well, on that uh, very tasteful note, um, <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks to Rushforth Media, who host us here in their, in, in their wonderful offices. Uh, Pickwick is also based here. I've actually written a novel called Crossword Ends in Violence, which is published by Pickwick. Which I promised to read at some point. Yes. I must. And um, our logo is by Debbie Saunders. She did us a very nice sitcom piece mm, logo. You, and Jay Watkins did our theme tune. Thank you for listening and see you next time.